We come to this place for magic. We come to the Blatcast to laugh, to cry, occasionally be revolted, to pretend that you care. Because we need that, all of us. That indescribable feeling we get when the sound begins to prematurely dim. Preserving that sacred runtime that is always measured in full minutes. And we go somewhere we've never been before. Not just entertained, but somehow reborn. Together. From musician interviews and unique movie reactions to stories about getting tossed off the groove cruise and rescued by the Canadian CIA. Dazzling conversation on tiny earbuds that repeatedly fall out or a huge pair of Beats by Dre that never fit, but you spent 200 bucks on them, so you wear them anyway. Sound we all can feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Our hosts feel like the best part of us, and stories feel perfect and powerful. If you feel like you're part of the episode, it's because here you are. The Blatcast. We make podcasts better. This is The Blatcast. And now, you know them, you kind of sort of like them, or at least tolerate them because you like everyone else. Welcome to the Black Cast, our Who Cast, if you were. Who are you? Looking back at the 2023 Doctor Who Disney Plus specials for most of the world. I know it was on the BBC, but for the rest of us, it was on Disney Plus. The Russell T. Davies return specials. As always, I am Christian Blatt, joined by a muted Katie Hampton, who's got a little right through her microphone but uh, <laughs> looks, like she's, looks like she is indeed with us and yeah. uh making uh, only his second appearance ever on the black has the one the only mr ron mata hey and uh previously ron was on and we went through uh some of the uh most epic very special episodes of sitcoms and uh that's a well we can visit very often, don't you think, Ron? Oh, yes. <laughs> I already have some ideas if you ever want to do another one. So. Oh, don't worry. I will. Yeah, it's more ama- amount of uh, how often I want to ask you to uh, make time in your schedule. But I thought uh, the, these Doctor Who no specials worries. were the uh, better yeah, opportunity. Oh, yes. As uh, for uh, familiar faces on the Black Cast, it's been a little while, but our friend Mark Hunt. How are you, sir? It's uh, great to have you here on the show. And uh, I, when I thought about uh, doing this episode, uh, the first two people I thought of were both Mark and Ron, because you two were the people that I knew who were like all in on Doctor Who at a point where I don't think I knew anyone else. Before the, the reboot, uh, before the uh, ebbs and flows of the reboot, uh, I'll ask you first, Ron, wh- how far back does your fandom of the show go? And do you remember the first time you saw even a, part of an episode yeah so uh it's funny because i i i was just thinking about this 
the first time I ever Doctor Who ever came on my radar was I think it was like 80 or 81. Um, I was about nine years old. And, you know, uh, Channel 9 here in New York had, had aired the show, but I never watched it. I just yeah. knew there was a show called Doctor Who. So I was sick, and my mom got me the Starlog uh, poster book. You remember the old Starlog uh, magazine? Right, Starlog like was basically the science fiction version of Fangoria. I believe they were exactly, made by the same exactly. publisher. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So she got me that, and I'm, like, flipping through it. And, you know, they have you know, articles on Star Wars, uh, Superman, blah, blah, blah. Then I get to this, I see this picture of this curly-haired guy wearing this ridiculous scarf. And I start reading more about this show called Doctor Who. And apparently, you know, back then, it's like, you know, it had been going on for nearly 20 years. Uh, five actors had played the role uh, you know, they traveled across time and space in a uh, ship that was bigger on the inside. And my nine-year-old brain was like, this is the most insane thing I've ever heard of. I have to watch this. <laughs> so I sought it out on my, uh, you know, on my black and white TV and uh, getting like some PBS station from New Jersey. Uh, by the way, Mark, uh, your, your PBS shirt is very apropos. Look at that, yeah. Because that's how... That's how a lot of us here in the States uh, pre-reboot received Dr. Hill. So when you first see it, I assume that they were Tom Baker episodes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That would have been the era that they were showing. Yeah. Exactly. uh, So um, Peter Davis. So this, yeah. So this was about 81, I think. And we didn't, I don't think we got Peter Davison until like roughly 83. So. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll kick it over to Mark who might have the answer to that, but also. I think we've talked about it on the show before, but let people know how far back you go and uh, when you were first aware of the show, Mark. Well, about the same time, it was about 80, 81 for me. I'm, I was about 10 or 11 and it was on PBS. Hold on, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little cold in this basement here. Let me just. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Oh, yeah. You know what? Now I think you're going to be much more comfortable for our audio audience. Oh, geez. Oh, man. I'm so jealous right now. (laughs) Anyway, I just got back from London and I uh, always grab a bunch and stuff them in my carry on drug mule. While your carry on is just the long scarf, you just tuck it in there, right? (laughs) Well, I started, I, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and our local PBS station aired them about that time. And, um, I was flipping chain. I came home from school and it was a friend of mine. His name was Darren. I remember turning on the TV and it was in the middle of seeds of doom. Part three, Tom Baker, this guy in this big curly hair and his assistant get out of the back of this black car and the driver of the car starts chasing him through this quarry. And I'm like, what in the world is this? And he's like, oh, that's that show. Doctor who? I said, well, let me sit down and watch this for a minute. I made him sit down and watch it, watched it, went on. Next day, 5 o'clock, I was back watching part four, and I just loved it. I absolutely fell in love with the show then, and uh, that was my year. And, like, yeah, Peter Davis came around in about 82, um, because 83 was the 20th anniversary. Yeah. And in 82, I just started watching, and... Um, Peter Davison had just gotten announced and I had just got into Doctor Who 
It, yeah. uh, my understanding is that sort of the post Tom Baker era, the sort of airing in the U S was a little spotty at best. And yes. uh, they, they kind of really, I mean, cause what uh, uh, Tom Baker did like seven seasons, I think. Yeah. Uh, so they yeah. were just like, we're just going to lean on those episodes. They just maybe. Ran them yeah, over yeah. and over again. And uh, he actually, his first convention, when he got the role of Dr. Who, his first public appearance of all places, he came to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow. At a convention, and I was, my mom would not let me go. I was so mad. <laughs> oh, no. Um, years later, uh -huh. I met Peter Davison and told him the story. He's like, yep, I remember that weekend. It was, he was so <laughs> nervous. But He's like, it's the only time I've ever been in Oklahoma, so I don't think <laughs> I, I can ever uh, forget. Uh, on the show over the years, we have uh, talked a little bit about sort of uh, my just sort of bewilderment at the show whenever I was first aware of it. And uh, I am uh, very late to the party, as I have uh, mentioned many times. And uh, I remember as a kid, yeah, it would be on PBS. And my I've talked about my mom on the show being just a huge, enormous Star Trek fan. And just, you know, she loved sci-fi in general. But she apparently drew the line at Doctor Who because she just did not enjoy the the effects. I think it was too much for her. Yeah. And uh, so it's just like she didn't like it, so it wasn't on. And then you kind of think like, all right, my my mom says that's not very good. Interestingly, when they did the reboot, you know, the first uh, season, the Christopher Eccleston season aired on Sci-Fi Channel here in the U.S. And she really liked it. And then she's like, yeah, and then he turned into this other guy and I didn't like him. So my mom didn't like David Tennant, so she only watched the Christopher <laughs> Eccleston season. Oh, that's hilarious. She's, I know. She's the one. Yeah, yeah. She's the but one. Uh, look, this, this, you know, uh, I'm not here to badmouth my mom, but it's the same no. woman who told me that Monty Python weren't funny. So that's when I started. Oh, to think, oh, oh wow. my mom doesn't necessarily know everything. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I mean, early episodes of the Black Cast, were you to listen our friend Agent Starling, Will Sterling, was, uh, you know, relatively new, but really enjoying it. And I was like, uh, I don't get it. You know, it was a lot of that. So it wasn't really till right before the 50th that I actually, you know, was watching. And uh, as as I've mentioned to many people, the Peter Capaldi episodes are the ones that, uh, that I was nearest and dearest to. I think probably because I got to see him regenerate. But I also thought... He was phenomenal. Uh, a point that uh, we can make about the subsequent doctor is that they weren't always the best stories, but I always liked him. And Katie, I don't actually know uh, <laughs> where you're at with this show. So please let us all know. Well, and uh, actually, before you say that, just comment from the great Jan Daniel Drew. Daniel Drew has met seven doctors so far. Nice. And uh, by the way, the great Eric Nagel uh, says that uh, Capaldi was great. He agrees, uh, and uh, I agree with you. Thank you, Eric, for uh, popping in here. And uh, in the chat, Daniel, why don't you list all seven doctors? I want to know. What, what would you just tell us the ones you didn't meet? You know, that's <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and are you? Did you meet David Tennant twice? Are you counting it twice? No, sorry. Back to you, Katie. What were you going to say? <laughs> you sure you don't want to keep going on that one? <laughs> um, I am fairly new to the Whoverse. Um, What's hilarious is I would have been at it a lot earlier, but I had a roommate who I thought was way cooler than me. Uh, turns out not so much, but I I was like trying to get into more sci-fi. I was like, hey, you know, like, would you recommend anything? And like, they were listing off a, a bunch of different titles and stuff. And then they're like, oh, maybe Doctor Who. 
nah, it's kind of hokey. You probably wouldn't like it. And so, and I was like, oh, if it's hokey, I would, you know, it's not my kind of sci-fi. And so I, I don't, I don't sign up for hokey. Yeah. yeah well, but then I was like, no, I fucking love hokey. Like it's amazing. And especially when it's done really well and with a lot of heart and like, I wish they had just told me it has heart. And then I would have been like, I'm sold. Um, but it wasn't until, and you're not going to believe this, I was working at Machinima, um, back in like 2018 or so that I was, um, I was doing a daily show. And then on Wednesdays, there would be guests for the other show in DC daily, um, coming in and getting their makeup done when I was getting mine done and we would do different shows. And I got in the makeup chair next to this very chatty gentleman who was so charming and so fun. And I was like, afterwards, I was like, hey, who was that? And they're like, oh, you're not a Who fan, are you? I was like, no, I have no idea who that was. <laughs> they were like, oh, that's John Barrowman, uh, a.k.a. Captain Jack. Nice. And that was when I started watching Who stuff because I was like, I know nothing about it. So I kind of, you know, got into the Matt Smith years <laughs> um, and the Tenet years uh, for some of the, the more recent like stuff leading up to it. So I, I saw the weeping angels and uh, I saw um, the smile episode, like a lot of different, but like more recent oh, yeah, who yeah, stuff. Sure. Very, yeah. very recent. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. And it became sort of, uh, you know, it was very accessible during the reboot, you know, I mean, yeah. first it was, uh, you know, it was on BBC America after it had been on sci-fi channel, but then, you know, HBO max is like, yeah, let's kind of grab this. So it became sort of uh, fairly easy to watch. And yeah, I yeah. went back and did a, 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 a I was going to almost say rewatch. I was going to do a watch of the, um, of the reboot. So I was able to do that sort of, whereas a few years earlier, it probably would have been, uh, trickier at some point in the history i would have been uh messaging mark and asking if he could you know dub a vhs and ship it to me you know and <laughs> i would have asked i would have and i would have cross-referenced ron which which vhs do you have <laughs> and uh you know then you try to to get it so um i i want to before we dive into these four uh russell t davies specials from 2023 uh i think it's important to sort of you know we haven't talked that much about the show on on the blackcast in a little while uh because i you know i was just a part of other things and uh the people that i usually talk to all sort of fell off and so i'll go first and i want each of you to just chime in quickly on uh jody whitaker who i think is a tremendous actress i actually think she did a very good job playing a doctor as the doctor um and I, I think that there were definitely some ups and downs, but my biggest problems were all just some of the stories like that. Ep the first episode with Chris Noth and the giant spiders, I, I was telling yes. people that that might be the worst hour of sci-fi I've watched through to the end. It was unbelievable how bad it was. And I like Chris Noth who doesn't like Mr. Big RIP, but I, um, I could not believe. And then, you know, and then they cast a British guy to play Martin Luther King in an episode. I'm like, his American accent is not as good as whoever thought it was passable. So there was a lot of that. Um, the episode I point to from Jody's first season is Kerblam, which is basically like the Amazon oh, company. And I was like, that one's great because if you took that and you gave it to at least any of the modern doctors, you're just like, you don't have to change the, the dialogue at all. It's like the, the, the characters there, the stories there, there's everything. And, uh, I think that it was one of those things where it was very disappointing. 
Um, I probably liked Graham the most of the uh, companions that she had because he was closest to me in age. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, I can relate to him. But even when it was just her and Yaz, I I don't know. I mean, I guess people, look, everybody on every show has somebody who hates them, has a contender who doesn't. I didn't have a problem with her. I thought she was an interesting enough character, you know? I think streamlining it to just one actually made sense. But in general, I didn't feel great about the, the those episodes, you know, and it's sort of, you know, it was a little bit of the disservice of uh, COVID having to do a lot less episodes. Uh, and then when they sort of came back and they did the flux and think it was bad, but it just sort of ended in a way where I'm like, yeah, I think I'm uh, ready for that. To, uh, I think I'm ready for that to be to be over. Um, and let me uh, go sort of the reverse order uh, this time. What did you think of Jodie Whittaker, Katie? You know, it, it, I have the same exact notes. Like, I love Jody as an actress. I think everyone in the cast was wonderful. I was not huge on some of the plots. And the, the spider one did throw me off so badly that I was like, I, I didn't watch too much more of it. Like, I, I saw some episodes through that season here and there that I heard were really good. And I think I watched one of the specials. Um, but... Yeah, I I just I fell off it because I felt like they weren't even writing for her and for yeah. The and there's a lot of uh, people who will tell me the same thing. They kind of fell off on it. They you know they they stuck with it through Capaldi. They checked it out. Maybe even that first season, there just wasn't the excitement. And uh, yes, Eric, the one monster covered in teeth was terrible. Uh, absolutely, that's <laughs> <laughs> not a. Not it a is bad amazing note. how many like creatures they can come up with that is just nightmare fuel. <laughs> yes, no, 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 absolutely. Um, what uh, what did you think, uh, Ron, uh, of the uh, the Jodie Whittaker uh, era, as it were? I don't even. It's hard to classify it as seasons because there was that sort of that mini season that was just flux, you know. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say I love Jodie Whittaker. Like from the yeah. moment I, I thought her first episode, uh, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, was one of the strongest yeah. debuts I've seen from a doctor. Um, it's right up there with uh, Matt Smith's The Eleventh Hour. Um, I just thought I just thought she just like clearly fell into the character uh, from the moment uh, you know she popped up. Uh, you know she dropped through the uh, the train. Um, and I'm also going to say, uh, you know, Tom Baker said it best. There's never really, and I know people will disagree, but in my opinion, there's never really been a bad doctor. There's been bad writing, but I don't mm. think there's been mm-hmm. like a bad doctor. Yes. As uh, far in, as- in, in, in speaking with you, uh, you're very uh, protective and, and I would say a Colin Baker apologist. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, I don't have to apologize for him. No, I know. And- you don't apologize. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not apologizing. No, I just, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I just caught the twin dilemma, and I was like, ooh, yikes! But anyway, I like that episode. I know you do. That's why I brought it I'll up. Go to my grave saying I like the twin dilemma. Um, but uh, you know, as far as, and you know, I completely agree with you that her. I thought her first season was a bit rocky, but you know what? I also kind of felt that, it, or I should say, hit or miss. Um, but I also felt that about Peter Capaldi's first season. Like there were some things that just, you know, didn't land. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of first, do- you know, new doctor seasons are like that. The writers and the producers are trying to figure out, you know, this new character. Um, 
I loved Spyfall um, when uh, Shasha Dewan said, look for the spy master. I literally fell off my couch. And I love the fact that, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm like 52 years old. I've been watching the show for 40 plus years. And it still gives me moments like that that I just don't see coming. And that's why I keep on coming back to the show. So Right. And, and, uh, and you know, Ron's the number really- one. Rob's the number. Ron's the number one of, uh, you know, I'm, uh, well, there's a there's a new Doctor Who special. And I'll be uh, signing off of all my social media until I have a chance. <laughs> yes. uh, Mark, I'm going to ask you the same thing. But uh, again, the great Eric Nagel. The first season of Jody's, Chibnall said they were not using any of the monsters from the history of the show, which is fascinating because uh, he was such a huge fan of the original series. And, you know, we've talked about uh, on the show in the past, there's this video of a Q&A with the, the showrunners at the time where he's like asking like super detailed, really nerdy questions and talking about how bad the show had gotten under Colin Baker. He's, you know, he's like in his 20s or whatever. Uh, but uh he wanted to do all the new stuff the next season. The Daleks and the Angels were back. Her, well, they weren't Christmas specials. Her New Year's special after that first season had the Daleks in it. I'm like, oh, this is kind of one of the best ones that she's been in. And it was like, yeah, that might have had something to do with it. What did you think, Mark, of uh, Jodie Whittaker's uh, time in the TARDIS? Uh, let's see. I like Jodie Whittaker. I thought sure. she was a really good actress. I did not like the Chibnall era of doctor who i think um I, the first season was okay but i have to be honest timeless child that whole s- storyline kind of frustrated me and i kind of walked away from it and really didn't come back until the specials were announced right and i kind of went back and watched the last jody whitaker which was good um but yeah, the 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 I the timeless the Chris Chibnall writing really I I watched it was I remember watching it with my wife and we watched the Chris Noth episode and I think her comment to me was aren't you embarrassed to be a Doctor Who fan? <laughs> and I put my head down I was like, yeah, that was that was a horrible episode. And I I I think I think in my opinion I think Jody was kind of done a disservice with some yeah. of the stories and some yeah. of the writing. Um, but yeah, Timeless Child, I thought was an abomination uh, to the canon of Doctor Who. And it just kind of, it kind of irritated me a bit. Well, uh, I know that, uh, Ron, you have a different thought on uh, Timeless Child. And, yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, we'll look, I, I, we'll, I, we'll just put it, we'll just. Well, we'll just put the spotlight on the two of you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so my counterpoint to The Timeless Child is I like the fact that now wherever the doctor goes, anyone that they meet can be the doctor, you know? So I just think that, like, kind of opens up, like, the whole a whole new era of, like, mystery and whatnot. I What I objected more to is they got rid of the Time Lords again. And I kind of feel like that was a – that's sort of like a rerun, you know, because – that's how the reboot started. You know, the Time Lords were all supposedly dead. So, you know, getting rid of them, it's just like, oh, you know, this is, you know, we've seen this before, but, um, but I, but I definitely understand how it could be like, a, you know, some, you know, Mark, I understand your uh, position and how it could be like a little 
jarring, but like also think about like back to 1966 when, uh, you know, people in England are turning on the 10th planet and at the very end they see William Hartnell dissolve into Patrick Troughton, you know, so yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> like that. Yeah, no, it's a, it is definitely, uh, I, I can see that there's different ways to see it. And, you know, as you're talking about it, it, uh, Ron, it sounds like the way that, uh, people, some people talk about, uh, the Star Wars, The Last Jedi in, in a way yeah. that they're, they're fond of it in a way where I'm like, I, I'm glad you can enjoy it. Oh, but, oh, uh, yeah. you know, we do not see the movie in the same way, you know, the rebels so, are yeah, literally but, running out of gas. <laughs> so, point. That is the plot point. So uh, obviously, you know, look, I think that there's this moment in time and I think that there's sort of the realization, okay, it's a, it seemed like a good time. Russell T Davies was interested in coming back. So, when the episode, the, the last Jodie Whittaker ends, I mean, by that point, we knew she was going to regenerate into David Tennant again. What we didn't know was how they were going to explain it. And I want to go through each of the four specials, but I do want to start with that point because I'm talking to two people uh, with you know very extensive appreciation for the show. I'm going to ask you first, Mark, how did you feel? about the notion of a bi-generation and the fact that the older version of Tenet, the 14th, is still hanging around just in case the ratings dip a little too low. I mean, that's the cynic in me that's saying that. Uh, but I, I, what do you think about the bi-generation? Um, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I, I, I know what they're doing. I know Russell T. Davis has it in his head that he's going to be the Kevin Feige of Doctor Who. He really wants to create on disney this hooniverse and i'm sure and i know david tennant i mean he one thing i, I love about david tennant he if it was up to him he'd still be, be the doctor if they if they would have just let him come back and do specials he he comes back to play the doctor every chance he gets and he's doing the audios he so technically he hasn't even really stopped um so I, it's a way to kind of keep him in play uh because i'm sure he would love to keep doing it um and have a you know, a new doctor, the, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a little hokey, but at this point, I mean, I've seen so much that just kind of leaves me scratching my head. I'm just like, okay, that's a thing. Um, it's a, it's a way to keep David Tennant back whom I like. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I mean, at this point, there's so much else that I picked at. That's believe me, that's the least of the sins at all. So, and I, I even liked, I, cause in a uh, previous, in the 50th anniversary, when we, Got the when we saw Tom Baker come back as a revisited doctor, supposedly from his future, they kind of brought that back. So they already planted the idea that he would re revisit different bodies in the future, which I thought was interesting. I was like, okay, I can see that. And uh, it was a great way to bring David Tennant back. So while I find the concept, I don't know, iffy, it doesn't bother me. I can't, I would love to see David Tennant come back for a special here and there. Yeah, I think that that's kind of what they're counting on and sort of just like don't close the door and don't uh, finish a story that you're just going to have to go back and stretch out at some point. What did you think about that notion, Ron, that there are, I mean, any moment in history, there's more than one doctor running around, but sort of in this, you know, this sort of through line of, of history that there are now two operating in the, the same exact time as the present time. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go back 
to what I said earlier um, about how I just love that there's still moments, uh, you know, of this show that I've been watching for 40 plus years that I'm still like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. Um, I mean, we're in uncharted territory. And for a show that has a 60 year old history, that's rare to say. Um, You know, I think, you know, I kind of like the idea that he that he's like kind of there. And if, you know, if they want to continue his story, they can or, you know, or they can just like leave him be. Uh, My theory is that he, he regenerates into the curator. But that's just me. That's Ed Cannon. That would um, make sense. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I, I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I think as long as it's like it's not overused, if it's not like you know they're not hanging it, David Tennant over everybody's heads, uh, you know, like you know, oh, he's he's still there. He's like yeah. The fifteenth no, doctor, doctor has a hangnail. Is there anybody who could <laughs> possibly trim it for him? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, but I think what uh, RTD wants, and you know, I'm just speculating here. I think he w- kind of wants to do like a blank slate sort of thing. Um, yeah, like I know a lot of people were saying, oh, oh, I'm so happy he's coming back. You know, the you know he's bringing David Tennant back, blah blah blah. But as a writer, um, I, I'm pretty sure that if the mandate from the BBC was do everything you did before. That's just not interesting creatively, uh, you know, to to any writer. So, um, but I I think it's a good. Go ahead. I think it's a good tool. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Who knows? Yeah, and the and the the notion of uh, BBC uh, involvement is something that we'll get to. Daniel Drew doesn't mind the bi generation at all. The Doctor deserves a bit of a sabbatical. No, and I think that's absolutely the point. It's like, yeah, you need to take that break because you've been uh, hitting the ground, uh, you know, running for so long. Uh, And Eric Nagel says bringing Tenant back seemed like a good buffer. So. Do you say his name? Is it Shooty? Is that really how you say it? I've, yeah, Shooty. yeah. So yeah, so Shooty Gatwa, Gatwa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, well, just as long as they keep it easy, uh, <laughs> a, a good buffer to let the fifteenth Doctor have a clean start. They made him look weak, and um, your words, Eric, pathetic. I can see that feeling. I, I don't think I felt quite like that. He, I, I felt like it was more, you know, somebody leaned into the fifteenth Doctor's ear and said doesn't he look tired to you? So I think he just really needed some time off. And, uh, but yeah, no, no, I, I don't disagree with, uh, with, with, with either of those. And uh, yeah, Eric's point that the doctor can't keep splitting up like Adipose is uh, absolutely yeah, I, true. Go I on. also think it, it, it was a good thing for uh, RTD to bring David Tennant back for like the 60th anniversary specials. So not to put that kind of pressure uh, and bogged down uh, Shooty Gatwa's doctor with like celebrating like all this history um, and just like kind of giving him a fresh start. So, yeah, no, no, I think that uh, it, it sort of makes sense. You know, the, the 60th anniversary comes up at a time where they're going to do a change and then they're like, let's not do it right there. Let's, I thought it was a very interesting kind of workaround to, you know, come up with that. So yeah. uh, we get these, uh, these four series these four specials and uh the interesting thing about it i think is if you go to the official doctor who youtube channel on uh on youtube it it's listed as like like for the what's coming later this year is listed as a teaser for season one and i'm like huh what 
what, what was all this then? You know? And I mean, first of all, it's like, <laughs> I don't even know what, how many seasons were there, the, the original run. And then there's, you know, like whatever, 14 of these. So I'm like, the only thing I know is that this isn't season one, but I mean, it's okay. It's the first Disney plus season, I suppose, but it, you know, but it's like, if you're watching on BBC iPlayer, like they are in the UK, it's like, it's just the new season. So it's interesting that that's the approach that anyone's taking, let alone having it be sort of an official stance. It's like, Oh yeah, a bunch of this stuff happened. I do think that these work for people that I know who fell off during Jodie Whittaker, maybe haven't watched in a while. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to catch up. I was like, ah, you really don't have to. You know, they reference some things that happened to to basically the the Stephen Moffat, Chris Chibnall doctors. But you don't have to watch those. You know, you can just yeah. be like, oh, yeah, I've liked it before. You just get to watch David Tennant and Catherine Tate together. Uh, so and I'll that, ask you first. That is oh, yeah, I was, I was actually going right to you, Katie. I wanted <laughs> I mean, to know. So getting to see the two of them together, what was your thought? Oh, gosh, it was just like it was the reunion. You always want it, you know, like it just brought me so much joy. And like another reason, like it's so funny. I feel like I meet these like people at certain points where it's like I should have been a Who fan by that point. Um, but I auditioned for the Catherine Tate show that they were trying to reboot out here in America um, and had no clue who Catherine Tate was and like how funny she was and all the sketches. The last time we really truly saw David Tennant and Catherine Tate together was one of her sketches where she plays this like obnoxious teenager that just says, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. <laughs> and um, and she's making fun of David Tennant's Scottish accent. And then they go into like a Doctor Who and and uh, what's her name? Um, the companion like voice. And like they, it's like, we haven't seen those two together since that, but then they're having just as much fun in this special. And to see that in its like purity of those two characters, that, that was everything for me. Yeah, of the uh, the three with Tenet, um, the one that I was surprised that uh, that really was the one that I liked the most, it was the second one because that one doesn't have a, okay, we got to explain all this stuff away. Right. We got to get through this. We got to get through that. That's the one where it's just like, yeah, so, okay, so they're back together doing stuff and then this is just like an adventure they would have had back in the old days. I thought it was a, I thought it was a strong story as well. But I also felt like that was the one that felt normal. And then by the time you get to the third one, you know, you're getting the sort of the the by generation. But we'll, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves once again. <laughs> um, Ron, what did you think as you know you watched the the first special? Uh, I I thought it was great. I was very excited to see uh, Tennant and Tate uh, back again. Um, I think one of the things that you know when you watch the show and you see a character exit, um, you always wonder how their story ended up. And mm -hmm. I really like seeing that. Okay. Rose settled down. She, you know, has a wonderful daughter. Her, her mom's still causing trouble. Uh, and you know, she, she became a millionaire, but she gave it all away. Cool. And it's, that's <laughs> yeah. just like, but you know, it, it was just, you know, you laugh at it, but it's not like she, you know, lost to gambling or she like spent <laughs> right, right. She, that, she that, that actually would have been really funny if she'd put it all on red. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I was like, I just felt like the odds were in my favor. <laughs> she, she gifted all this money and then she's pissed when she comes yeah. to. <laughs> right, right, right. But she, you know, but she, um, 
you know, she she's still the Donna that we remember. You know, yeah. she she might have a big mouth, but she has a bigger heart. Um, so I really like you know getting back to that that dynamic. Um, I love the new unit scientific advisor, um, uh, whose name escapes me. I can't remember, but I I think Same, she's a actually, great. Yeah. Um, a great counterpoint to the doctor. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I, and I also remember the comic strip that story was based upon. So I thought that was like pretty hey, cool. Hey, to see. Wait a minute. All right. Yep. So, there uh, you go. Yeah. Nice. yeah Ron, uh, sorry, Mark has it right there. I'll hold it up again. Uh, I, I'm very slow oh. to, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the, uh, that's the ongoing uh, yeah, little, series. Yeah. The little meep down there. Yep. Yeah. That that's is the right. right. The meep. Yeah. Wow. That is, uh, yeah, that's after, I guess, they there was a Marvel premiere. They uh, reprinted some British comics. Yes. And, that, and that yeah, was, that was, was actually... those, the Marvel premiere were the first, well, those four issues were the first few stories. And then the Star Beast was the first of the ongoing series. Yeah, now I, I actually didn't realize that it, it was based on that, uh, you know, or anything like that. I didn't, I did not realize <laughs> that until you held that up. <clears throat> and as uh as Ron was talking about it, uh, I thought that uh, that was interesting. One of the fun things was that there was, I don't know exactly what it was. It was just like an alternate image that uh, I saw on social media, which our visual audience will see. It was sort of this this comic book uh, recreation of the actual episode. So, uh, you know, just thought that that was kind of fun. So- uh, It's awesome. Yeah, so- Mark, your thoughts about that as you uh, are watching the first special? The oh, uh, that was you know. the first special was probably my favorite, just because I had I had I I that was the only the only one and only time I ever as a kid had a Marvel subscription where I filled out the form that had it delivered to my home was that original Marvel series, and uh, as a piece of trivia, issue number nineteen in the letters page has a letter written by a very young Mark Hunt of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow! Issue number nineteen. Um, it, it, it's what's weird is it public? It, they printed my full uh, mailing address. Yes, and everything. So I was like, "Huh, okay." I always thought that was weird, but yeah, um, no, I well, yeah, as, 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 yes. as someone <laughs> as, as someone with a letter in Solo Avengers number sixteen and Marvel Tales number two one two. Yes, they would print your whole address, but uh, I lived out right. in the sticks, so it was like a rural. Der- Rural delivery for box one three four. Nobody was finding my house. So, somebody but, actually, and somebody actually wrote me a letter that had read that, which I thought was oh. a total stranger, which I didn't respond to. But yeah, yeah I well, love. Star I, Wars. I, you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad you yeah. didn't accept his offer of Jelly Babies. Yeah, no. No, but yeah, Star Beast was out of the four specials is probably my favorite, just because I uh, my fondness for that story. Um. And I yeah. like, and it just plus just seeing David Tennant back, I, you can just tell how much fun he's having playing that part. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely. I think it's apparent, uh, especially throughout that first one. And uh, you know, look, obviously they have to explain the way, expl- explain away this notion that if Doc, uh, you know, it's sort of like a, it's a great dramatic moment. It's like, well, she can't remember any of it, or she's gonna die. But oh uh, well, you know, this many years later, whatever it is, fifteen years later, we want to kind of get the two of them back together. So we got to come up with it and look, there's, there's science fiction or fantasy explanations where you're like in the world that this show exists, that works, you know, it's like, 
well, Jean Grey didn't die. The Phoenix died. And that wasn't Jean anymore because the Phoenix made a copy of Jean's body and Jean's body's in this cocoon underneath. I'm like, yeah, right. I want to, I, I want to move forward. So sure. We'll just take I know what it. you're talking so, about. Yeah. Well, we yeah, don't need I to get into the exactly. midichlorians of it. No, 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 no. Just a midichlorian free zone here. Yeah. yeah and like, so, I, like I always say, if you're wondering how he eats and breathes and other science facts, just repeat to yourself. It's just a show. I should really just relax. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly you were right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I was like, okay, yeah, that kind of works. And look, it's nice to see, you know, Donna has, you know, has, has her family and, I think that the that these specials sort of counteract this notion that Chris Chibnall came in and he was like, I've got this agenda and I'm going to push this through in the show. And uh, this is my own personal crusade on a number of different issues. And then you see these Russell T. Davies uh, episodes. And my understanding is that uh, Russell T. Davies is, 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 you know, long been, it's long been known that he's, he's a gay man. And that is, you know, that's just a statement of fact is the reason I mentioned it. And so then you sort of see some of the characters of specifically, I'm talking about Donna's child and you're like, okay, I, I don't think that Chris Chibnall was like, okay, we're really pushing for a lot of this stuff. I think the BBC is like, this is kind of the the sort of the stance we're having on things. The during the Chris Chibnall episodes, it didn't ruin any of the episodes, but it was like, you know, the side characters, like, oh, every single one of them's in like a same-sex relationship. You know, it's like, oh, I was gonna propose propose to my, you know, same gender. I'm like, wow, everybody. So I I I thought that it's like, okay, I get it. You're trying to make it inclusionary, but at the same time, you're calling more attention to it when there's not like the one hetero couple. And again, it's like not important parts of the storytelling, but there's that's sort of the, the not too subtle way that some of those stories were told. And I think it's very important that people watch TV and movies and feel themselves represented. You know, I've used the example that uh, I took my wife who's Chinese American to see Shang-Chi and she thought it was great, but she said, I, I really wish we'd had a movie like that when I was a kid. You know, yeah. because they they just didn't, you know. So, and I I think that uh, I, I I don't think that there's a problem with uh, and and it's honestly I'm just not remembering the the character name of Donna's child. If anybody in the Rose. chat wants to jump in, Rose. Rose. Oh yeah, yeah of course. Stupid. No, yes, Rose. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I know. You want to talk about you want to talk about not de not a deft hand there. It's like, well, name's Rose. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. But no, and and I think that um. You know that my my only comment is that uh, you know that that actor was not the strongest actor in the show. You know, and I don't think it has anything to do with that. You know, uh, and uh, Daniel Drew with a very funny comment: "Straight people have had their time. That's the way the cookie crumbles." Absolutely, <laughs> and Daniel, you should feel that way. And it's funny because the um, the unit science officer you're mentioning, who's in the wheelchair, it was with sort of a broad stroke. People were like talking about. Like, oh, there's the, you know, there's this character, there's that. And on my timeline, I saw from someone that I know who is, who is, is disabled. And they were like, I loved seeing that. And I'm like, yeah. well, isn't that really what it's about? It's not about yeah. somebody to go like, hey, how come, how come somebody not in a wheelchair didn't get to play that part? And I'm like, well, it's not really about that, you know? Right. So my, my thought is that there was, 
I don't think anything in there was so much where I'm like, wow, they really went overboard. But it was like, okay, I feel like, and I don't watch other stuff that's current from the BBC. So, so maybe somebody who does can chime in and let me know. But I feel like this is, you know, it is like a, a state funded broadcaster, you know? So it's like, this is clearly, I think that this is their approach and like, yeah. And look, I worked on an NBC show and there was money in the budget that came from, oh, you hired a Native American actress to play a judge. That comes from this fund. Thank you for that. You know, so it's like there's, yeah. you know, there's there's all sorts of reasons and explanations for diversity. I don't feel like any of it ruins any of these shows. I think that these three episodes have ups and downs throughout. Uh, but uh, let me ask you first, Mark, did you feel during Chris Chibnall there was some of that? Did you feel that with this for me it was just like the realization like oh i think that this is just sort of the business that they're in this is the storytelling that the bbc does now and they want to you know include people that maybe didn't feel seen on television but what do you think mark i mean it's hard for me to decide just because i bailed on chibnall i think i was about halfway so some of the i didn't see his entire run um you know, the Chris Noth character came back in another episode, by the way. Did? So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, my he Lord. sure did. Yeah. So, yeah, my, you know, I didn't really see that much. I can't really yeah. get most of my beef. With well, the then just to, to the sense of what you saw in uh, the, the what, it's just called the Star Beast. Yeah, the Star Beast the, is the first one. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think so. I mean, it was, it kind and it also kind of played into the story a little bit. About, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't think it was shoehorned in. I kind of played into the story or into sure. the, the theme of the episode about judging someone on their appearance. Because, of course, you know, spoilers, the meep, everybody loves the cute, cuddly meep. And everybody's oh. terrified of the aliens chasing it, which is I the mean, whole the, twist the, of the, the episode. To be fair, the, the meep is really cute, let's be honest. <laughs> <Yes>. At first. <laughs> right. So I, I, I thought it felt, I thought it kind of just, it, I thought it was kind of. Uh, appropriate to the story anyway. So it didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think so. Yeah, no, no. And I, I think that uh, it, it's just more, it made me wonder about it. And I want to make sure that we all see the, uh, the adorable <laughs> meep from at least the, uh, the beginning part of uh, the star beast. Um, but uh, Ron, what do you think sort of uh, in, in terms of, you know, that level of, you know, the idea that Rose has this uh, trans child, you know, sort of factoring into the storytelling. Well, um, you mentioned before, like, Chibnall, you know, seemed to shoehorn these sort of situations in, like everyone's in a sex, same-sex relationship. Uh, Russell T. Davies actually did that a lot during his run, too. Like, I remember uh, the episode Gridlock, there was this old uh, same-sex lesbian couple um, the Shakespeare Code. Uh, Shakespeare hits on both uh, Martha and the Doctor, which That's is right. actually I that, yeah. yeah, which actually led to one of my favorite lines of the whole show. As an English major, uh, where he says, "And five hundred academics just pump their fists in the air." Um, <laughs> so, but I think it's like you know, as long as it serves the story, you know, yeah. I, I don't, you know, there should be no problem. Um, and I also think that. Um, have like the character of Rose, like, kind of represents like a lot of people, I think, are drawn to Doctor Who because they 
feel like very much like an outsider. They feel very alienated. So I think that in many ways, Rose also represents a lot of those fans out there that feel the same way. So, um, you know, I, th- I thought, again, it just like worked well into the story. And also we get to see, you know, the problems that she's having and how, you know, how she sort of like kind of overcomes that you know, towards, you know, towards the end, like she, she be, she's like trying to figure out who she is. And by the end of the episode, she accepts herself. And that's like yeah. really all that you need to do. No, no, I think, it, I think that's uh that is a great point. Obviously there is the parallel and I think it's, uh, it, it is a, a great device for the storytelling. And I agree with what Mark's saying. It definitely works. And sort of, you're talking about sort of, you know, as you're kind of talking about the type of person that the show appeals to, I was sort of thinking about how there's these sort of these wide circles of, you know, sci-fi fandom is like pretty much everybody likes Star Wars. And you go, you yeah. draw within that, you draw a circle of Star Trek. It's a bunch less, but still a lot of people. And then mm-hmm. at least when I was a kid, there was a tiny Wait, circle of Doctor Who, like right. tiny. It was like, it was really just, it was just Ron and Mark. They were the only ones. Really. <laughs> no, but you, you know, hear something it probably funny. felt like that way sometimes. What were you going to say, Ron? Go ahead. Well, it's really funny because like whenever I, it might surprise you uh, that I talk about Doctor Who on Facebook, but um, whenever I, whenever I do that, I have people like from, that I went to high school with, it's like, Wait a second! You like Doctor Who? I thought I was the only one that liked Doctor Who. Right. Like, I, well, because you wouldn't, like yeah, you wouldn't talk about it in in school because it was like you you're scared. Keep your head yeah, down. yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like yeah. no one's like, talking about. It's like wearing the wrong band T-shirt to school. Like, oh, no, what did I do? I forgot that this is a Van Halen school. This is, yeah, this is this oh, isn't man. a Kiss animalized school. Uh, but I think to the point that I'm sort of touching on is that the very loud but very small minority of people who are making the case saying like, I can't watch Doctor Who because it got woke is the same thing I say about Star Trek. Yeah, like, did you actually pay attention to the show? Exactly. Like, at right. any point in its history, right. because right. that's really, you know, it, it's, it's sort of, I mean, Star Trek in particular, you know, yeah. it's like, the, the what very... did you think that story was about with the people yeah. with the white face on this side and the black face <laughs> on this side and then the other people were, what did you think they were trying to do? Was it, was that too subtle for you? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, go ahead, Ron. Yeah. The, the very first Dalek story was about racism, xenophobia and nuclear war. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always been there. Like, seriously. What are you talking um, about? I, it's been heavy handed the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I remember, yeah. I think it was at the end of, of the first season, like the first William Hartnell season. Um, they did this episode about uh, pesticides, about how dangerous they were and how, yeah. you know, uh, that they, you know, that they were poisoning people, not just insects. So, you know, it, yeah. it's always been there. Well, and I and I yeah. think that's the thing that kind of let at least me down for the Jodie Whittaker season was just like, especially the Spider one. I was just like, what are we, what are we doing? Like, the the these specials, I kept calling them a a progressive wet dream because it was just like, <laughs> yeah, like, and then you know the companion is trans, and also we've got this, and also we got that. And I'm like, yeah, okay go for it. And it just like, it felt so empowering to see different types of people who are often seen as the downtrodden, the, the folks that are less than the outsiders that draw everyone back to Dr. Who being 
like finally coming on top, finally winning. And it was like, oh, like it's kind of how Shit's Creek felt like it was like the world we wish we could be in where this could like change or this this magic can happen type of thing. Um, and everybody's cool with it. <laughs> and so that's what was so beautiful about these specials to me. Right. Yeah, no, no, I think that, uh, and, and look, I think that, uh, you know, the, the reboot, but obviously the classic series too, uh, was always very representative in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the ethnicity of regulars and guest stars. And, you know, there's, uh, I, I think that it's just really an extension of that. And that's why I do use a parallel with Star Trek that it's just like, I don't know what's surprising you about, you know, the, the current, you know, unless you want to talk about season two of Picard and then we can make the case for uh, <laughs> one of the worst seasons of television I've ever watched, but that is not this show. Yeah. Let's talk my, about wild blue yonder. Go ahead. Uh, Mark. Well, what's my, just before you leave that point, my <laughs> only criticism, my only criticism with, what some people call heavy-handed inclusivity mm-hmm. would be when they did the children in need special and they took Davros out of the wheelchair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah, you know what? I, I saw that after the fact. Yeah, that's an interesting I, point. Yeah, yeah. My I and I don't didn't have a problem with it. In fact, I what my problem was with Russell T. Davis, how he handled it. I really wish he had done just not said anything, did a Dalek story with Davros. And in the story, Davros regenerates a body or changes time where he didn't get into the accident. And then we had Davros up and walking around and the doctor can't prevent it. And he almost loses and Davros gets away. And this, and I, w- I, I would have been intrigued by the fact that Davros now is up and walking around. But instead they did this little special and then Russell T. Davis felt this need to go out and do this sort of almost patting himself on the back about not wanting to offend anybody. And I was like, well, I, I, I think that I, his little press tour explaining his decision, I think was a little, I thought was the heavy handed part of it. Um, yeah. No, I the, mean, the I concept think that's, of Davros I think that's out of the wheelchair, I thought was, in, I, I'm totally on board with. I thought Julian Bleach as a, as in that, in that little special was fantastic, but yeah, I kind of thought Russell T. Davis kind of got a little heavy-handed with the the not apology, but the puffing of his chest and saying, "Look how, look how, look how evolved we are. We don't need to put a bad guy in a wheelchair type thing." Rather right. than just do it, like in Star Trek, just do it and let people right. figure. And it later. and and of course, you know, you the. Uh, we have uh, one of the greatest good guys of all time in a wheelchair and Professor Charles Xavier. So, you know, you're not really making the point about it. And, you know, as you're talking about it, it was reminded how the, I think when they showed a fish called Wanda on network television, they took out all of Michael Palin's stuttering. And I I was just like, I I, I understand the decision, but whole scenes don't make sense anymore. (laughs) You know, it's just like the character might as well not be there. Which, yeah. uh, you know, I, I can understand. Let's talk about uh, Wild Blue Yonder, which for me, it was, like I said, it was the most fun because it was like the most like, oh, yeah, we're already on the ground. We're already running. This is, uh, you know, they got to figure this out. Oh, they're, you know, trying to, you know, they're sort of feeling each other out. What are you not telling me? What are you not telling me? No, all that. I, so I thought that this one was great. I thought this one was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, let me ask you, Ron, what you thought of Wild Blue Yonder, the second of the four 
uh, as we hit our 53rd minute, we're moving on to the second, <laughs> the second special. <laughs> so much for 15 <laughs> minutes each, huh? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a really, I, I always like these um, episodes that are like really like uh, character pieces um, where it's just like the doctor, his companion, maybe, maybe one or two other things in like a combined, confined environment. Um, I think they work really well. Um, I think this was really, really well written. Um, I loved David Tennant with the giant hands. I thought that was, <laughs> that was a cool, hilarious yeah. visual. But like for, in the context of these specials were made for the 60th anniversary show, this would have been a really good episode in a season, but as a 60th anniversary special, I just didn't really feel like it it hit that mark. You know, it not to say it was a bad it was a bad episode or whatever, but I just you know, I was just like kind of confused or like I kind of felt like it was sort of like a buffer between the Star Beasts and the Giggle. Right, and, and I think I think you're right. And uh, again, to uh, to in, invoke Star Trek, the example that I use is how Star Trek Insurrection uh, felt like. Oh, this would have been a pretty good like yeah. mid season four two parter. Why is this in the theater? Like yeah. a movie in the theater is supposed to be a big deal. A 60th anniversary special should Epic. be bigger. I yeah. certainly agree with that that viewpoint. Um, and maybe it was because they didn't feel like there was any business to do, you know, to to move this show along. Maybe that's right. why I liked it. You know, it was almost like a, you know, for those of us who read comic books, uh, the uh, fill-in issue that was just sitting there, and you're like, oh, this is a completely different creative team. Oh, I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> what did you think of uh, Wild Blue Yonder, Katie? You know, I very similarly, it, it was kind of an odd one for me. I was like, oh, it feels like we just switched up the pace of this <laughs> real quick. Yeah. And I was like, OK, this definitely feels like a good one off episode um, that would be in a normal season. And I, I didn't mind it, honestly, because I feel like we've gotten away from the filler episodes because of these truncated digital releases yeah. of shows. And you know, like we're kind of more catered to that. Like every episode has to be a banger, you know, like everything has to be progressing everything all at once. And so the fact that this one kind of took its time, it was a lot slower, especially like it got, it got me a little sleepy at the first. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I was just like, there's a lot of silence in the beginning of this. Um, yeah, and there I was, you're right. Yeah. And I have, <laughs> I have a very, I've had a long day and <laughs> this is soothing. Um, but no, like that was, it was kind of nice to have that where I could turn my mind off and just like enjoy a nice Doctor Who episode. It was, it was surprising in that way, but it was, it was fun. It It's sort of like I was talking about Kerblam before. You can feel mm. like y there's more specific for these two characters, but a lot of it you're like, yeah, you could plug that in with any of the, at least any of the modern doctors. It could any of the, you know, that, that. That could have been, uh, you know, nine and Rose. It could have been Capaldi and Clara. You know, it could have been whatever. You know, so you know, make uh, it a Who verse type of thing. Like, I would not yeah. mind a bunch of concurrent universe Who's, who, you know, traipsing about having just random episodes. That would be mm. amazing. Be cool. uh, Craig Robinson, who is across the pond right now, by the way, uh, he could he, you know, his faucet is his faucet is uh, hot and cold jelly babies. He just turns it on and they just flow <laughs> right out of it. Uh, Craig did appreciate the dialogue, but the ultra green screen stuff took me out of the episode. Mm. 
Um, I I did I have felt that at times with uh, some of the the newer seasons of this show. I do feel like in general, and, and I'm just more making a, a, a broad statement, that I thought that they looked really well. I thought that the effects looked good. And it's like they have they take so much time because they kind of need to. There have been episodes, especially I, I think it was during Flux. It's like during some of the Judy Whitaker ones, they were just strapped for time, strapped for money. And, and sometimes you would see that come across. But uh, I, I know I know what uh, Craig's saying. Um, what do you think, Mark, about Wild Blue Yonder? Uh, well, let's just say I, after it was over, I was like, wow, they should have been called Wild Blue Yonder. <laughs> oh my god my bell my bell is upstairs i can't ding it you deserve I, uh, christian <laughs> i i i kind of i'm not gonna say i was kind of nodding off in it it was it seemed odd and most of my complaint was we've got three david Tennant episodes and one of them has to be a bottle episode yeah it was just and it's it not a bad like point it, was, yeah. it just seemed like it was too reliant on the 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 I mean, the visual effects were 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 good, but it just seemed like that's all it was. Sure. Um. It just and it wasn't a horrible episode. Like I, like I will see Dave uh, David Tennant and Donna or uh, the Doctor and Donna running around in a spaceship any day of the week. But it just seemed like I was really I knew we only had David for these three, and it just seemed like, yeah. gosh, I really wanted something a little more than than just a standalone kind of a bottle episode. But um, so. It was not my favorite of them, just because I knew we had just precious few moments with with these two. And those uh, precious few moments, of course, uh, you know, concluded uh, only a week later uh, with the giggle. What did you think about NPH uh, entering the uh, Hooverse, Mark? Wow. Okay. Um, I liked the episode. I was not a fan of Neil. I thought he was way too over the top. Um, and this picture really exemplifies that. <laughs> I might have what, been what, that might have been why I selected it. <laughs> I don't know what accent that was he was trying, but for me, it, I don't know. It it was a little. It seemed like something out of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> this, this, um, this feels like uh, this feels like a Ron Mata question. Uh, who's the the German on laughing? You know, the very interesting but stupid. Artie Johnson. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. I knew you would know. Artie jo yeah, he's doing an Artie Johnson. <laughs> Artie That's why I asked you, Ron, because I'm like, of course, going to have the of answer course. to Artie Johnson. <laughs> By the way, of course, uh, the show coming to you today from beautiful downtown Burbank. Uh, but in any case, uh, yeah, so he's doing an Artie Johnson. Very interesting, interesting. but stupid. <laughs> and yeah, I was almost like, oh, okay. He could have done a British accent. How about American? I don't know. Look, I... In talking about the Napoleon movie that just came out, it's very unusual in that Joaquin Phoenix does an American accent and no one else does. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? That was probably like your performance is going to be where we want it to be. Yeah. If you're not adding an extra, you know, just imagine like, do you have a French accent? Oh, <laughs> we, we miss you. Of course I do. No, no, no. no. Just, well, uh, what's, just what's really weird is he's playing a character from the first Doctor era played by Michael Goff, who was um, Alfred in the Tim Burton Batman movies. Mm -hmm. And he was a British actor, but he was kind of dressed as an Asian. They, they called him the Celestial Toymaker. He kind of, he was, I don't know if he was trying to play an Asian, but he kind of had that Asian appearance. And I, I'm sure they were like, okay, we want to stay away from that 
Asian. Well, I, I, I yeah. hope it wasn't in the way that Mickey Rooney them. played an Asian in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, like that. Oh. Uh, yeah, oh, yes. it was. Oh. So instead, it seemed odd that they kind of leaned into a different kind yeah. of bad uh, racial stereotype with that really <laughs> horrible accent. But yeah. uh, I don't yeah. know. But the episode itself, I. I I enjoy. I mean, uh, we'll discuss the end, but I yeah, mean, no, I, but the, revisiting the the, the the toy maker, I thought was an interesting the, idea. The toy maker's machinations, sort of the deviousness of his plot, going back to the 1920s. I thought all of that was really well done. My favorite part is sort of you know when he's mentioning like all the things that uh, you know he talks about. Uh, oh yeah, but uh, you know then the Cybermen killed Bill, uh, which was, you know, I thought one of the the sort of most gruesome for the companions that I followed. I'm like, ooh, that's a rough way to go. And Oof. then sort of the next week, just like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, but she's going to live on as water with the, this, uh, this girl that she likes. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I liked when she was, you know, dead. And it's the same thing with Clara, where it's like, oh, well, I took her from the split second before she died, and someday we'll have to put her back. But... Uh, I was just like, oh, that was just sad when she died because uh, she had to. And uh, oh, I was just going to live a whole life with Maisie Williams and spinning around in a diner. And where's that show, by the way? Um, anyway, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that uh, the performance, it reminds me of the, on Saturday Night Live when they did the uh, Star Wars auditions and Barbara <laughs> is auditioning for Princess Leia. And uh, she's like, send me a one putting on. Oh, you're my only hope. And said, what? A little big, yeah, yeah, it's a little big, Neil. You want you to notch it down? You're at like a 12 and a half, and this called for a four. So, I do agree <laughs> with that. I did enjoy the episode, I enjoyed the character. It was fun to see him, but yeah, there was it was like, uh, I feel like that might be a, a directing issue. What did you think of the giggle, Ron? Uh, overall, I like the episode. My one complaint is, I think they're like, it wasn't a complaint at that moment, it um. But I kind of felt like they were overusing the whole song and dance thing uh, because they had done it in Power of the Doctor. They did it here. Then they do it in the uh, next special. And I'm like, you know, it it kind of loses its, uh, you know, its charm when when you keep on going back to that well too many times. Uh, but yeah, I, and, and also, I also demerits for it being a Spice Girls song. I mean, come on, yes. you know. <laughs> um, I I do want to I do want to say I was thrilled that they brought back uh, Melanie uh, from the classic series. Uh, I actually saw uh, I was in London a couple of months ago, and I saw Bonnie Langford in Old Friends, and she was fantastic. Uh, uh -huh. But it, it was I always felt that she was a very underserved companion, and we talk about how. Um, actors on Doctor Who were kind of or ha have been let down by the writing. Uh, Bonnie Langford as Melanie is certainly one of those uh, characters that have been underserved, and it was nice so to see it, her. So it didn't it didn't help that she was supposed to be a fitness freak and always exercising. You're saying that that didn't help the character? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, like having her scream all the who, time. Yeah. It was... Who was the uh, the companion of uh, uh, of Peter Davidson who played an American but herself was Australian? Uh, what Tegan. Was oh, Tegan. 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 Yeah, yeah. Wait, no, no, yeah. no you're confused. Yeah, you're confusing. Janet Fielding. So, Janet Fielding. Janet like, Fielding was yeah, she was the Australian. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But then, it, but then after her, you had uh, Nicola Bryant as yeah, Nicola Bryant. Perry. That's right. 
because Perry. That, that's what I'm thinking of Perry Larry. because Perry yeah. Perry's the one who uh, Colin Baker tries to choke the life out of. And uh, so, yes, that was definitely Perry, yes. unless I'm mistaken. And the, the reason why I'm using that as an example is because of, you know, and, and I've seen not that much. I, I had a very limited subscription of BritBox, so I didn't make my way through <laughs> that much of it. But I did. I do remember I'm like, oh, this is what someone thinks an American acts like. And then when I found out the actress wasn't American, I'm like, oh, it all makes sense now because yeah. it's just like it's like, oh, you think that this is what an American uh, is like. Uh, Katie, what did you think of the giggle? I loved it. Um, I thought it was wild and crazy, but I love Neil Patrick Harris because he freaking commits. And if you're going to go off the rails with this crazy <laughs> character, you might as well commit. And like, yeah, the accent was something. But like, it, <laughs> it's still like, it, um, I believe Craig Robinson in the chat wrote, well, that's all right then. And I can only hear it in his voice now. And it, that also terrifies me. I thought like the unease I had with his portrayal slash his character worked for how terrifying this was. <laughs> um, and sort of this cartoonification <laughs> of a German character, I guess. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I loved it because he committed so hard. It was absolutely terrifying. And it and you know, as we're talking about like great actors of the past or whatnot, um, Voice of the Meep was uh Professor Sprout herself. Um yes. so like shout yes, out yes. To her, she did an amazing job in that switch when she was cute meep to scary, crazy-ass meep was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just, I, I I can totally see, like, this is, this was, like, the stuff, like, seeing this big or this loud of acting was exactly the kind of thing that felt like, oh, I kind of enjoy that side of comedy when people are big, loud, and a little bit broader just because it makes more sense of how I'm supposed to feel about them. Um, and like, that was like one of those things that I was like, Oh, I really, I really enjoy how they did this and then how they end up defeating um, the toy maker as well. Yeah. I do think that it, it is interesting that the, this concept that we touched on at the beginning of the show is this by generation where we have the 14th and 15th doctors. And he's like, you know, it's like, okay. So now they're sort of, you know, teaming up. And I, I do like the little nod that uh, the master had been trapped in the toy maker's tooth. And then we see the tooth at the very end, uh, yeah. you know, because I, 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 you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it, 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 it uh, certainly works for the, the foreshadowing of uh, what's yep. to come. Uh, and uh, there's a couple things that I want to uh, comment on, but uh, our, our buddy Daniel Drew points out that classic who is on Tubi. No need to pay for Brit Britbox. Daniel Drew provides me with so much useful information on uh, <laughs> the yeah, show Daniel. that uh, Katie and I regularly do Marvel movie talk, uh, but uh, and uh, also just uh, being able to help. And uh, Craig's asking if they put all the new Who on Disney Plus or just the Shkudi Gatwa stuff going on. And it's uh, the it's specials shitty. onward because the yeah. deal for the previous seasons is still with HBO Max. So. You have to have them in two places. So the, you know, anybody who does want to catch up on Jody Whitaker and see that second Chris Noth episode, you're going to have to make sure that you have. And then by the way, I, yes. I misnamed the app. It's just called Max. Yep. Max. It is not HBO Max. My apologies. <laughs> they took the, uh, they took the best part, uh, the best brand out of their name 
and then they just replaced it with what people think of as a lesser uh, cable service. So, yeah, and I thought more it was great it was coming from Warner. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, at least they're at least they're consistent. You know, <laughs> so that you know those are those those three specials, and then uh, I. I know that I know a few people who kind of uh, that were not big on the Christmas specials, but uh, I tend to like the Christmas special episodes and maybe it's because of the creative team behind them. The new year's episodes just didn't have the same. Oomph. Yeah. It didn't have the same feeling. So the, uh, the church on Ruby road, uh, I is our first full episode with the 15th doctor and uh, it feels it's very familiar in terms of, uh, you know, having us meet a, a new companion from at least, you know, I'd, I'm not telling Ron and Mark something that they don't necessarily know, although they might disagree. But uh, I thought it was sort of a, you know, as as uh, many have, it's like, oh, OK, so uh, orphaned. OK, you're checking some of the companion boxes already, <laughs> you know, um, and, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, Attracting attention from, uh, you know, an, an interesting alien species. That's another check, you know. But um, I, I want to uh, ask you first, Katie, um, what did you think of this fourth special of the, the Church on Ruby Road? I got so stoked that I was like, please don't do the Jodie Whittaker thing where you give me so much hope for how fun this is going to be and then just peter out in the series to come. I don't think that's going to be the case. I like his energy, Shooty's energy is wonderful. It's so fun. It's so playful. You know, you've kind of got that sort of teetering toddler effect that Tenet always had. Um, you've got this insane like whiplash commentary like Matt Smith had. Like, I feel like he has so many great pieces that are also just his own. Like, I love that we're in the club. Um, and watching him just dance, I, like a little trippy at times. I was like, Ooh, what are we doing? Um, but like, I, I thought it was, it's enticing. I'm very, I'm very excited for this series to continue on. Um, but, but I'm also like, please don't let this be the best episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Daniel ag agrees that he has fantastic doctor energy. And right. I think that the most important part for me of the sequence were like, oh yeah, he is just having a time at that club. Yeah is to point out like, you know, this is a different guy or a different person, you know, yeah. because it's like the, the 14th. So the older tenant is sort of like that doctor. And it's like, this is the idea of season one. This is the new guy. He's like, yeah, no, it's the same. It's the same, but there's a, a lot of, uh, there's just a different energy about him. And it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think uh, it, it, it was a good introduction. I thought uh, we'll talk about some of the ins and outs of the episode, but um, Mark, I want to know what you think of the, uh, the church on Ruby road. Um, it's hard to, I mean, I don't want to judge the, uh, just judging the episode by itself. Yeah. Yeah. I Cause we, was, we don't, we don't have anything else at this yeah, point. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. It's, it was a little too, uh, I mean, a little too, I don't know what, um, little too much at times it's uh, there there was a constant energy level where it just never seemed to stop the the little creatures kind of annoyed me um, <laughs> the, the goblins yeah the goblins um uh but we'll see i mean the yet another musical number which i just rolled my eyes at I was, <laughs> oh my God, please I, I i hope it gets a little more serious this seemed so hokey to me 
I, I, I See, could, there I it could, is. There it is again. That word hokey. Yeah, that's, oh, just, that is the it hokey. Was a, yeah. It was on a scale of one to ten. It was like a an eighteen hokey. It was <laughs> almost too much. But um, yeah, I want to see. I want to see some scenes. I like. I like my doctors a little more subdued. Um, yeah. I want to see. I want to see the fifth Doctor Fifteen kind of in quieter moments to see him reason stuff out. Um, but. I'm I'm coming back when that when the show comes back I'm intrigued um, to see where they go with it and what what uh, what direction Shooty Gatwa takes it the episode itself it was kind of his and plus Shooty was just kind of all almost almost Jim Carrey at times he was just bouncing off the walls kind of like if you just watched to go back to a, another doctor if you just watched Twin Dilemma uh one of my favorite doctors i love colin baker but i i know i know you do i know you love colin Colin i love you some colin baker but if you just watch twin dilemma you might be like okay so he's like the mean doctor (laughs) but as you watch more you're like okay he's actually really a a very well-rounded character um so hopefully shooting gat was not the 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 hyper hyper energy uh, doctor, uh, I can't wait to see him. I want to see him in other situations. Um, although that being said, I I don't think I could ever see Patrick Troughton in a wife beater shirt wearing one of Jamie's kilts dancing in a nightclub. <laughs> yes, but um, you know we'll see we'll see what this doctor does. Yeah, or William no, no, Hartnell. I think that, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, William Hartner, Hartnell, we could all say yeah. Yeah, well, he, he was a party animal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it seems like. Yeah, and um, I, you know, I find uh, uh, Ruby Tuesday uh, apart from the naming. Honestly, you know, sometimes it's like uh, okay, but uh, Ruby Sunday, Ruby Sunday. Sunday. As soon as I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I had it wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, but um, I, I, I like her. I find her, you know, sort of interesting. Uh, it is a, uh, it is, a, it is a fairly young companion. You know, I mean, I guess she's like twenty one. And she looks like 12. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think that uh, it kind of, uh, you know, kind of works in that way. I think it'll be an interesting dynamic and uh, we'll, we'll sort of, we'll see where it goes. Um, Ron, did I let you weigh in on this one or? All I want to say is that like, as soon as uh, Shudi Gatwa like flashed that smile and said, I'm the doctor, I'm like, yes, you are. You yeah. are the doctor. So, um and you know, I I, I agree with Mark, um, but also bear in mind that this is like a this is like his first full outing as the Doctor, so he's still very much trying to find the character. So it'll be interesting to see uh, the evolution as he goes into his first full season. So yeah, and we have a, really just like a general sense as to when that's going to be, right? We don't. It's like May, I believe. May, I, okay, yeah. May. All yeah. right, so that's even that's more than I realized. Well, so yeah. at least we. We have that much. And, you know, for those of us here in the U.S., that'll be on Disney Plus. And for Craig Robinson and our friends across the pond, it's just going to be where it always was on the BBC and BBC iPlayer. And, you know, you yeah. won't you won't notice a difference. But uh, for our visual audience, we're seeing a little bit of the trailer for season one, as they're calling it. There's some wild outfits coming up and uh, it's uh, it'll be very interesting. You know, the. Uh, the level of cosplay that this season alone is going to provide is uh, really something else. And, uh, you know, I think that, look, I, I think that uh, those of us who are, have a, a fondness for characters that have been around for a long time, 
you just want to see them in the hands of people who care about them and still get excited. I think having Russell T Davies come back, it was, there wasn't anybody who was like, Oh man, that guy. Now, if the net, the next time that he leaves, if, uh, Stephen Moffat comes back, I know that there will be people who say like, Oh, come on. But uh, at the same time, I think that, uh, I think it's the right energy at the right time. And uh, I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see how happy they are. I, I with, have uh, heard, I have heard ahead, Stephen Mike. Moffat is, there's talks of Stephen Moffat coming back to do a few episodes. I think uh, that would be great I, I because. Moffat uh, to do, to write a few episodes. He's, and he's written some. Did he write the girl what in the fireplace? Well, re- uh, yeah. Well, regardless of what you think of him as a show writer, he's written some good episodes in New Who. Yeah, no, no. And, um, like when you see the ones he wrote before he was the showrunner, and I, off the top of my head, I, I don't have them, but uh, uh, yeah. the do- the yeah. doctor dances, and yes. I can't remember yeah. the other one, the the one where they were in World War II, which was did he write? Was, I think he might have written Blink, unless I'm mistaken. Maybe he I'm did. He created that. the Weeping yeah, Angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Daniel Drew wanted to make sure that I could uh, point out whom he hasn't met of the doctor. So he has not met uh, Shooty. He has not met Tom Baker. He hasn't met Paul McGann, but uh, Ron, I believe you met Paul McGann, didn't you? Uh, yes. Know? And actually a very, very, very long time ago, I met uh, Tom Baker at a convention um, here on Long Island. Like we're talking like eighties, um, him and Colin Baker, uh, did it? Did I? It was called like the Icon Convention. It was like a science fiction convention on Long Island before LA Who Who came around. So uh, I think I was like thirteen at the time. Uh, but yeah, Paul McGann. Uh, he's like one of those guys that like he just looks like he always has the right thing to say. That yeah. everything, as long as he's around, everything's going to be just fine he you know dresses really well so he's the kind of guy uh you want to get life advice from so <laughs> yeah and uh you know uh, uh under underappreciated uh yes. for his recurring role in uh, the show that made Idris Elba Luther uh he uh, mm. shows up quite a bit in a number of those episodes and Eric Nagel responded to Daniel uh he's met Peter Davidson Colin Baker Sylvester McCoy Tenet Matt Smith and Capaldi uh, the one missing from Daniel was uh, Matt Smith, but uh, I feel like that's one that uh, you'll be able to correct uh, before too long, too long. you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Craig has a question specifically for you, Mark. Go Did on. you like Matt Smith? He had a fair bit of energy and had that charisma as well. Craig is liking what he's seen so far. Uh, yeah, I liked. I liked him. I liked him. I think I, out of the new who, I I, I would put him below Tennant and Capaldi. And maybe Eccleston, but um, <laughs> I like yeah. just keeps e- Eccles- no Eccleston's tough because it's one season. Yeah, and Eccleston was tough. And he I looked loved, the I coolest. Really liked- he had the coolest outfit out of all of them. He was but- so good though. Was and so I, and good. I really liked and and while Matt Smith, I, I was kind of lukewarm on. I really did like Capaldi. Capaldi really brought me back into it. Yeah, full force. Yeah. And then I, you know, Chris Jones. No, I agree over. absolutely. And, uh, you know, as we're talking about Christopher Eccleston, it seems like it's a moment where I can mention a movie that most people, for whatever reason, have never seen. There's a film. It's Danny Boyle's first film. It's called Shallow Grave. Shallow Grave. Living in a, living in a flat together are Christopher Eccleston, Doctor Who, and Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So oh. they both live in the same flat. I love that and, movie. Uh, if you think you know where that movie's going, you will be wrong. Uh, so definitely <laughs> check it out. It's fantastic. It's I uh, love it. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, and Daniel Drew says that Moffat said recently that he's fine. The show doesn't need him, but everyone on the show lies at some point. Yeah, that could be him saying that because he's already written three episodes. You know, yeah. that could be one of those. You never know. Like, yeah. oh, I, I don't know. Um, in any case, uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, you know, it was fun, and I think people were excited about the idea that Tenet came back, and I think it was a good sort of like it was a good handoff to have him share the screen with Shooty in that first episode, you know, because I think it was like if he just sort of disappeared at the end and then he regenerated, then maybe just maybe people would be like, no, I saw the David Tennant ones, but you're sort of invested in seeing where this guy goes and uh, we will do just that. But uh, so, you know, look, the goal was an hour. This is an hour and 21 minutes in, in black time currency black time running times this is like a half an episode so i, I think we did quite well <laughs> uh mark i want to give everybody a chance to uh find where they can keep in touch with everyone and uh we're still a few months away right the next planet of the apes movie isn't until may yep yep me and my uh co-host uh we were talking about we had a meeting actually just last night uh podcast of the apes is slowly coming back um so we got we got some Marvel comics to review and uh, you know new movie just around the corner. So we're yeah, coming. No, I'm looking forward to it. I've enjoyed this iteration of uh, Apes movies. So uh, I'd like I'm, I'm interested in seeing where they go. And uh, do you want people to find you on social media, or would you rather be lurking in the shadows? Um, I'm rarely on I'm rarely on Twitter, but I, at Mark Coin uh, Hunt on Twitter. If you go over to Blatt. Uh, the Blackcast, you'll probably see my, my link, and then uh, I'm still on Facebook. Um, some of the people who are fans of the Blackcast know me on Facebook. I, I rarely post on there, but I did do another. But I, whenever I travel abroad, I always go to James Bond filming locations and take oh, photos. Wow. And I just got oh, back from cool. London and I uh, did another set of James Bond filming location uh, pictures, uh, a few that I hadn't had before. So on my Edinburgh London trip. So um, that's really all I really post anymore, but uh, I did another, another round of those. Well, if you want to find Ron Mata, you go to Blackcast 561. Uh, the audio version I'm particularly proud of because I sprinkled in clips that I was afraid to show on YouTube for getting strike from the various studios. Uh, and uh uh, our, our mutual friend, Tom Kelly, uh, was very yes. impressed by that episode. He listened to it an, as an audio episode and, uh, he, oh, he wow. called it my best work and wow. in Tom Kelly's eyes, my best work could only have been done with the great Ron Mata. But, uh, <laughs> so yes, we'll put our heads together and come up with some more, uh, very special episodes, yes. but every episode we spend with our friend Katie Hampton is of course a very special episode and Katie, where can you be found other than on Marvel Movie Talk on Geekscape? <laughs> you can also find me at the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast. You can find me anywhere on socials with at El Sassy Pants, spelled down below, but E-L-S-A-S-S-Y-P-A-N-T-S, sometimes with a Z if you're on TikTok or care about it. Um, yeah, you might see me in some coming projects. You might not. You never know. You never know. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Craig Robinson getting this in under the wire. I didn't think to ask this. That's why I'm glad Craig is here. I'll ask you first, Mark. What do you think of 14 being able to make force fields? So he used his Sonic 
to make a force field and then they sort of cut, you know, a whole thing around it. Uh, Daniel Drew is perfectly fine with hard light holograms. But uh, what do you think, Mark? Uh, that was another minder, Chris. In New Who, they really, really rely on the sonic screwdriver to just about do everything. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I took it for what it is. It, it's a bit of a, a plot get uh plot crutch at times that's one of my one of my only criticisms about the new doctor who era is how they use that sonic screwdriver for just about whenever they just can't get him out of a situation kind of does yeah, doesn't uh doesn't the everything. war doctor say to 10 and 11 and day of the doctor he's like it's a screwdriver isn't that that it's the moment yeah, i think i'm remembering right? cabinet <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, right yeah exactly they're like pointing it like it's a lightsaber yeah. Uh, what did you th what do you think of stuff like that, Ron? When it's like, oh, okay, so here's something that we never saw them do before. Well, uh, I completely agree with Mark. I think the sonic screwdriver has sort of become a. Uh, I'll say I'll come out and say it. It's kind of it covers up lazy writing sometimes. Um, <laughs> I just think they rely on it way, way, way too much, um, and I wouldn't be upset if they just got rid of it completely. Well, we'll see, Daniel. Uh, popular sorry. opinion, I know, but well, they yeah, did it before. Did, they did it before. Did it did, yeah, yeah, in the, in the 80s, Peter, yeah, yeah. The, they destroyed it for, and the didn't come from the fifth Doctor, and it didn't come back till the yes. eighth Doctor. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's interesting. See, there for that exact little, same little known yeah. fact, uh, Daniel uh, thinks they should have kept fourteen Sonic for fifteen. But he also likes the remote control Sonic design, which uh, I consider to be sort of the old timey, like seventies, eighties, uh, birth control, uh, dispenser. Yeah. Just, like, like I've never seen one of those in real yes. life, but I've seen them in movies. My, my wife just has yes. a, like a little, like a little, like punch card, basically. Um, in any case, <laughs> that's what a lot of us have yeah, I'm these days. We ended, I'm glad we ended on that though. Uh, in any case, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I don't think this is what Daniel's saying. 12 did have time without the Sonic too. Yeah. He had the sunglasses at one point. Oh, that's right. that's right. His Sonic was definitely in line for a, a redesign. That thing was, was enormous. It really was like a lightsaber. In any case, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. Tuesday is at 2 PM Eastern, 11 AM Pacific. Who are these broadcasters on the, who are these podcasts, YouTube channel? That is all the time we have for now, but we'll see you next time. On the Blackcast. Tin dog. 
Thank you for listening to The Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D-M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on The Bladcast. Welcome to the party, pal! Sir, how do you feel about doing a show co-hosted by Christian Blatt? Yeah. <laughs> Who are these marketers coming soon to the Who Are These Network? I love it. And yes, Blattcast. Everyone check out Carter's special on Ed the Sock. The Blattcast. Thanks to the fiber. John, with all of the fence mending this weekend, will you be watching the Who Are These Broadcasters halftime show on the WATP YouTube channel? No. I have not mended fences with Lady K or the shitware, and I don't anticipate we ever will. Nor, nor do I want to. I think they're both cowards. All right, Christian, everybody else at Bladcast. I don't know what that is. Naughty. Doc Jones, 73, five bucks, says, I, Christian Blatt, love, oops, wrong show. Yes, that is the wrong show, sir. But thank you for reminding me, the Super Bowl halftime show featuring Usher. Oh, yeah. Who gives a fuck about that? that? In fact, I believe it's never been said better than who gives a shit, who gives a fuck. So what we're going to do on this channel, on the Who Are These Podcasts YouTube channel, is who are these broadcasters is doing their own special halftime show, be looking at halftime shows from the past and notable moments in Super Bowl history. They're going to have, obviously, Eric Zane and Christian Blatt, but also be joined by Cardiff Electric and Lucy Tightbox. So when the... uh, Second quarter ends, the end of the first half. Pop on YouTube, watch Who Are These Broadcasters in their special uh, halftime show episode. I like the idea that somewhere there's going to be people that are, you know, fans of Who Are These Broadcasters that are at a party where people don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, real quick, I'm going to put on Eric Zane and Christian Blatt. No, 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 you don't understand. Tukey and Lucy Tightbox are on. We've got to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one other person will be there being like, oh, Cardiff's on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop it on. All right, cool. Yeah. I'll oh, Cardiff. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm ignorant. Christian Blatt, I suspect, might be calling your mother, but not 100% from Who Are These Socials. I mean, he did tweet something on Mother's Day. He tweeted something about moms. So I'm assuming that's what he meant. You know, obviously. So, you know, I would start looking into Christian Blatt. Blatt it. I don't know. Nobody knows how to say it. Nobody knows. But anyway, the Blattcast. And who are these socials? Sorry, the Blattcast. Who are these broadcasts? Who are these broadcasts? When Eric Zane and Christian Blatt are live on this same channel of who are these broadcasts? Broadcasts. Not who are these socials, as Cardiff said. Or broadcasts. No, I said broadcasts. Broadcast. Well, you also said broadcasts. Yes. Who are these broadcasters? Is on this channel every Broadcasts. Tuesday. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the night. Rising up to the challenge of arrival. Hello, I'm Conrad Bain. We're Listen, you are you're a talker. About, no, you're like the I worst broadcaster ever. Well, this has been the Black Cast. You can find me at Christian DMZ. <laughs> You haven't heard Christian Blatt do The Bladcast is 100% right. Uh, the Bladfest. The Bladcast. The Bladcast. One of the best podcasts you can ever see. The Blackcast. Whoop.
We're watching it. We got no Wi-Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Bladcast. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500. Last time I checked. Totally forgot. I am doing the Bladcast tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed. <laughs> that was not my fault. Tuki loves you all more than a friend. I love Tuki. Yay! <laughs> hacka, hacka! I'm so Try anything and you cancel, bro. <laughs> what are bells? AMC Theatres. We make movies better. Mickey is no tin dog.